title, The Beginning, and today's message is called Keep Your Lamp Burning. Somebody say, Keep Your Lamp Burning. You. Amen. And we're going to see why exactly these two uh, candles are lit right here. Every single person in this place. Today's challenge question. Every week, I like to challenge you a lot. (laughs) A lot. Not as much as I did tonight when the warship and everything. But I do like to challenge you guys. Okay? I don't want you guys to say the same. I don't want you guys to just stand still. I want you guys to keep on moving forward. Amen? So today's challenge question to every single one of you tonight. Will you have enough oil for when he returns? Now you, like, like usual, you might not understand what that means right now, but you will. Amen? All right, let's continue with our message. Matthew chapter 25, tonight's objective is to examine your heart and to see if you, individually, you are ready for Christ's return. But it's that rebuke? On verse 1, what's, what's the title of that passage right there? The parable of the ten virgins. Verse 1. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise, however, took the oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. Verse 6, at midnight, the cry rang out, here is the bridegroom, come out and meet him. Verse 7, then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied. There may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for for yourselves. Verse 10. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Sir, sir, they said. Open the door for us. But, the, but he replied, I tell you the truth, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. That's Jesus' parable. And those of you who do not know what a parable is, a parable is an illustrative story that has a strong point. So he just told the story, right? About ten virgins holding uh, uh, right lamps, amen, uh, lamps. And they had oil and things like that. It was a story, and that story that he just said has a strong point to it. So let's recap. Let, let's summarize what just happened, what we just read here in the past 13 verses. Within this parable, there was a wedding. There were ten virgins who were invited to be a part of it. And were most likely told to bring lamps. All ten virgins came with their lamps, but only five brought oil to make sure the lamps would not go out. The groom took longer than they expected, and it became dark by the time he came. It was midnight. It was dark. The five foolish virgins were not able to light their lamps because they ran out of oil. They asked the other five wise virgins, but... They did not share. The foolish virgins went to buy oil, 
But it was too late. It was way too late. By the time they went to get the oil, it was just too late. While they were gone, the groom came, grabbed the wise virgins, and were, and uh, the, the five wise ones that were ready for his return and shut the door behind him. The five foolish ones that were not ready for the groom's return wanted to join in the celebration of the banquet and pleaded saying, Sir, sir, open the door for us. But what did he say? I don't know you. He kept the door shut and said, I do not know you. I'm not letting you in this place. We're reading out of Matthew chapter 25. If we go back to Matthew 24, you don't have to necessarily go there for me. In verse 1, it says, Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came to him. So, and, and last, not last week's message, because last week was a March Madness party celebration. The week before that, I, I preached on Matthew chapter 24. How many of you guys remember that? It was on the rapture, the great tribulation, where we talked about persecution. And when Jesus comes back, right, he's, <clears throat> he's going to take his faithful. And those of you who are not faithful would stay here for the worst suffering in humankind history. Seven years, the Antichrist will reign strong and will have control over this entire world. And it will be the hardest thing to be a Christian because you will die, you will suffer for the name of Jesus for those seven years unless you are faithful now and are ready to and are stay faithful when Jesus comes back. So at this time, he's, he's describing that and he's just going off. He just said another story. He's like, hey, I just told you this. And now I'm going to show you a story that kind of shares this that, 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 so you can get a little bit more. That's basically where we're at right now. So he's talking to his disciples intimately by themselves. It's just his, it's just his disciples. Not a big crowd. He's not preaching a big message. Just his disciples. How many disciples they got in the house? Come on, amen. Come on, make some noise. Amen, amen. Disciples in the house. Amen. So let's keep in mind that when Jesus is speaking to his disciples, he's also speaking to who? He's speaking to us. He's not just speaking to his 12 and that's it. No, he's speaking to you. He's speaking to me. He's talking to the church in general. The church as is the body. He's talking to Metro Praise. He's talking to Evangel down the street, Belmont oh, Assemblies of God over there. He's talking to the church, every single one of us. Amen? So here's the big question. We read the scripture. We recapped it. We reviewed it so you could understand it a little bit more. So, what can we learn from this parable? Right, look to your neighbor on the right and say, what can we learn from this parable? <laughs> Amen. So, what can we learn from this parable? The first one. The first thing, we learn that we should examine our hearts and the relationship we have with God. That is the first thing we learn from this parable. So, what kind of relate? What do I mean by relationship? When you're in a relationship, what's the key thing in a relationship? It starts with the L. Love, right? The key thing in a relationship with a marriage is love, right? If you don't love your wife, then you're kind of messed up, aren't you? Right? If you're not in love with your husband, then what kind of marriage do you have? You have a bad relationship. So what's the key thing? What, what does a good relationship have? Love. Amen. So Jesus says, and I'm talking about relationship right now in the sense of relationship with God. Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 15, if you love me, you will obey what I command. So what kind of relationship do you have with God tonight? A good one? A good enough one? Well, examine it. If you think you have a good uh, a relationship with God, do you follow his commands? 
Do you lie? Do you curse? Do you steal? Do you do any of those things? Do you disobey your parents? That's a command. If I go inside your house and I talk to your parents, I have, you have me over for dinner, are they going to say good things? <laughs> Come on, Mal. You don't even have to check yourself on this, man. What else? What else does that have to do with love? What else is loving God? What, kind of, what else does that mean to have a relationship? Turn to your Bibles to Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. We're continuing. What, what we learn is that we should examine our hearts and the relation. We got to examine the relationship that we have with God. Go down, Mark 12, to verse 30. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind and with all of your strength. So God, Jesus is telling us to love God, to have an intimate relationship enough with God, to be able to love Him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. How many of you guys worship God with all your strength today? Examine that right there. What kind of relationship do you have with God if you can't even worship Him with all your strength? But we're going to keep on going. Love. What is love? So loving God with all of your heart. What does it mean to love God with all your heart? To love with all of your heart is to acknowledge Him as the center of your your life and the thing you want the most. To love God with all of your heart is to have Him uh, the the most passionate thing in your world, the center of your life, and wanting Him more than anybody else in the world. Loving Him more than baseball. Loving Him more than food. Loving Him more than your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your mom, and your dad. You understand me? God has to, be, has to be the center, and he says it in his own word, that he has to be the center. Having God be your greatest desire, that's what's loving God with all your heart. Loving God with all of your soul is to love God, um, is to love him with all of your deepest emotions. Loving him with your deepest emotions, meaning that he draws you to tears at times because he loves you and you love him. You're that kind of intimacy. You have that kind of intimacy with God that it draws you to tears, that your deepest emotion inside of you is to love God. That's loving him with all of your soul, with all your mind. What does it mean to love God with all of your mind? Is to constantly think about God wherever you go, meaning wherever you go, you're in the store, and guys, you see that pretty little honey pass by, and your, your, your first instinct is to nod your head this way, and God is going this way, right? And you're just like, oh, I know. I'm not going to do that, because why you have God in your mind, and you know that he despises that. It's called lust. When you undress women with your, with, your, with your eyes, or ladies, when you undress men with your eyes, it's lust. God does not like that. He disproves that. It's to have them constantly in your mind. It's, in, it's just thinking about it. It's like, Lord, what are you going to use me for today? That's what I think. My Lord, what are you going to do for me today, God? It's just like, man, what can I do for you, God? You know, I'm going to worship you. Driving, me driving, me blasting that worship music, man. It's me thinking about him while I'm driving. Amen? That, that is loving him with all of your mind. It's thinking about him wherever you go. Loving him with all of your strength. To love God with all of your strength is to give it everything you got into serving God such as worship, such as evangelism, such as just working in the ministry. The key to right here, what I like to use the biggest example, loving God with all of your strength is to love him during evangelism, is to love him during worship, giving everything that you got in those two things. Amen? 
Come on, that was a weak amen. Let me get an amen. That's right, man. Come on. Might be, I might be taking it home with you guys tonight. If, if it's kind of stepping on your toes and you're kind of getting a little, little offended a little bit, good. I want it to. Because God is not a God of just comfort. He offends people. When Jesus came here, he offended people. People got angry. They got so angry at Jesus that they killed him. If I'm getting you offended and the least thing you want to do is come back here, then hey, whatever. If you don't want to come back here because you're offended, whatever. Because I'm willing to die for this. Okay, so do you have a relationship, guys? Do you have a relationship with God like the Bible says you should? Do you love him? Examine your relationship. Examine your heart. Do you have the relationship that you ought to with God? The second thing that we learn. We learned that all ten virgins had the exact same opportunity to wait for the groom. You see, those uh, five wise and five foolish—they all the, they all had the, they all had the same lamps. They were all virgins. <laughs> they're all women. Whatever. They were all given the same opportunity to wait for the groom. The same opportunity. What happened? See, the difference between the foolish and the wise virgins was that the foolish ones were not prepared for the groom's return. Those of you, I should explain this in the beginning, I apologize, but those of you who do not know, the groom, guess who the groom is? Jesus, the majority of you knows, amen. The groom is Jesus. So in a wedding you see a broom and you see a what? A bride. And the bride is, is the beautiful bride with the wedding. Uh, you know, girls, obviously, I know you know what I'm talking about. You probably dream about this five times a day. So the, the, the bride, okay, your big, poofy, white dress going down, going like this and stuff with flowers in her hands and things like that, right? That's, that's the bride. And the groom is the guy in the tuxedo is the man about to get married. Amen? So the groom is Jesus. This is according to the Bible. The groom is Jesus, and I'm the bride. I'm the, I'm the woman. I don't mind wearing the skirt in that relationship. You understand me? I'm cool with that. Jesus, I'm, I'm, I'm the woman. I'm the skirt. <laughs> whatever. Have your way with me. Whatever. You know what I'm saying? It don't matter to me. That's what the Bible says. It's talking about the church in general. You see, you see, what this is talking about, the groom is coming, right? He's coming for the wedding, and the wedding is the day that Jesus comes back and judges this world. That's the wedding. It ain't going to be your, 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 your pretty three-floor, three-stack cake with uh, all white around. Actually, it's going to be a, a red wedding. It's going to be a lot of blood. You understand? It's going to be a lot of judgment, okay? But he's talking about the day where he just he, he brings you home, man. He brings you home, and he, he unites you with him. And he's the groom. You're the bride. And you're just like, come on, Lord, I'm home. Let's get this on. Let's get the wedding on. Amen? You see, so those, those girls, those ten girls, the virgins, had the exact same opportunity, the exact same opportunity they had for waiting with the groom. But what was the difference? That the foolish ones were not prepared for the returning of the groom. You see, we all have the same opportunity to serve God. Just like those ten girls had the same opportunity, the, same, the, the virgins, we as Christians, we as men and women of God, have the same opportunity to serve him. But what separates us, guys? What separates us? What separated the foolish and the wise virgins? What separates the foolish Christian and the, and the wise Christian? What separates them? You see, sticking to us, prepare, sticking to the decision. Specifically, let's break it down. It's sticking to the decision 
of serving God. The key word is, is, is decision. You have a decision to make in your life. To stick with God or not to stick with God. You have a decision to, to uh, uh, in your life to realize that there is a God. He is real. He loves you enough that he said it was one and only begotten son to die on the cross for you. He's real enough to change your life. And it's your decision to make. Rather, you're going to stick for the long run or you're only doing this temporary. It's your decision, guys. The second thing that, st- that separates us is staying ready for Christ's return. It takes persistence and dedication to him. It's persevering. It's, it's being dedicated to God enough to know that when he returns, you're going to be ready. To have that mindset, when he returns, I'm going to be ready. I'm good to go. You see, for God so loved the world. Amen. Somebody say, for so God the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For for God so loved the for God so loved the meaning everybody in this world. Every single person, meaning every single person Jesus Christ died for. Every single person on this earth has the opportunity to serve God. Every single person in this world has the opportunity to serve Jesus, but few actually redeemed the blood that was shed for them. Every single person in this world... You, myself, your mom, your dad, your principal, your school, the person who sits at your lunch table, we all have the same opportunity to serve God, but few of us actually redeem the blood that was shed for you and I. You see, Jesus Christ did not die in vain. He did not die for nothing. He died for something. He died so that I, I, me being nothing, may be something. Amen? He died so that I may redeem that blood. For so God loved the world. Everybody has the same chance. Just like we learned the ten virgins had the same chance, the same opportunity to wait for the groom. What's the third thing we learn? We learn that we must always keep our lamps burning. We always got to keep our lamps burning. The five wise. Why were they called wise? The wise virgins. Why? Because they kept their lamps burning. They were wise for that. The parable stresses the fact that we must keep our lamps burning. Okay, having perseverance and being prepared. We have to prepare. Because we do not know when Jesus will be coming back to judge the world. The oil in this parable... It's not just oil, guys. It's not just oil. It's not just your ordinary oil. You want to know what it represents? How many of you guys want to know what this oil represents? The oil represents faith. It represents a relationship with God. It represents the presence of the Holy Spirit. So how do you keep your yourself on fire? How do you keep it burning inside of you? How do you keep your lamp burning inside of you? By keeping oil in it. 
By keeping it oil. Oil is the fuel. And what 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 is your oil consist of? It's supposed to consist of faith in God. It's supposed to consist of a relationship with God. It's supposed to consist of a relationship with Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. It's supposed to consist of the presence of the Holy Spirit inside of you wherever you go. Wherever you go. Rather it's in school. Rather it's just taking a walk in the park. It's having the presence of God inside of you. It's having your oil burn for God, knowing that any given time, Jesus can come back to judge the world. And ask yourself, are you ready tonight? Would you be ready for Jesus to come back tonight? Is your oil burning with faith? Is your oil burning with the presence of the Holy Spirit? Is your oil representing God in your life? The foolish ones allowed for their oil to run out. They were once enlightened. This is a quote, by the way, from one of my, my, my favorite commentaries. They were once enlightened. They had one, they had once hearts illuminated and warmed by faith and love. But they had backslidden. Somebody say backslidden. They had backslidden from the salvation of God. And now they are excluded from heaven, meaning they are not allowed to go in heaven anymore. Why? Because they backslid, because they let their oil burn out, because they let the fire burn out. Because through their carelessness, they have let the light that was in them become darkness and have not applied in time for a fresh supply of the salvation of God. They were ill-prepared. They were not prepared. They had no oil. They had no oil to put in their fire because of carelessness. They had no fresh supply of the Holy Spirit. They had no fresh supply because they weren't seeking it. They weren't prepared for it. But when they asked for it, they asked for it when it was too late. The foolish one said to the wise, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going now. But they replied, no, I don't think so. I ain't giving you my oil. I ain't giving you my oil. See, this shows us that the saved cannot share their own salvation. I cannot share my salvation. I can't share it in the sense of the lost being able to enter heaven with my salvation. I can't share it in that sense. Each person is accountable for their choices. You cannot go to heaven if you're not serving God and you're saying, uh, you cannot get part of my salvation inside of you. You say, oh, oh, but he's my brother. He's my brother. Adolfo's my brother. I'm going to go to heaven. No, we can't share salvation that way. You have to stay accountable to your decisions on this earth, your choices on this earth, your oil that you, that's burning inside of you, your flame, the fuel that you're using to burn. That is what's going to get you to heaven or not. You understand me? That is what's going to make the final decision. Amen? This shows us that the saved cannot share their own salvation. That's what that shows us right there. You see, the, 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 the ten virgins were just being greedy. They're being like, no, I don't think so. This is my oil. I'm straight. I ain't sharing with this. They're not being greedy like that. This is supposed to represent something, guys. Amen? What's the, third, what's the fourth thing? The last thing that we learn to conclude this. We learn that the consequence, the consequence, 
<laughs> excuse me, consequence for letting your lamp go out. We learn the consequence for letting your lamp go out. What is the consequence? In verses 10 to 12 of Matthew 25, the virgins who were ready went in with him with the groom to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Sir, sir, they said, open the door for us. But they replied, I tell you the truth, I do not know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. Do not let the door shut on you tonight, Elevate. Do not let that door shut on you tonight. Just because you're saved at one time, like today you decided to serve God, or last week or whatever, just because you were saved at one time does not mean that you are automatically saved forever. You can lose your salvation. If you decide you want to serve God today, and next week you're acting the fool, guess what? You're not saved anymore. That door was shut on you. You understand me? And you're going to be there when Jesus comes back saying, Sir, sir, take us with you. Lord God, take us with you. But God is going to look at you and say, I don't even know who you are. You left me. That is for the people who let their lamp go out. Who do not fuel their fire with the oil of the Holy Spirit, with the faith, with the desire and the passion to know God. When they don't have that relationship, they let their fire go out. Then I'm going to ask that you bring the communion, please. You see, Christ, Jesus Christ, died for us all. He died for every single one of you. He died for me. He suffered on the cross for me just as much as He suffered on the cross for you. Today, Good Friday. What a quidinkadink, amen? <laughs> Psych, ain't no such thing as a coincidence. You understand me? Something that was going on in worship today, you guys know what happened. It was dry. It was, I don't know what was going on. But the revelation of the cross finally entered in your mind. And it happened to be on the day that Jesus Christ died. And we're going to take communion in this place. And we're going to remember the fact that Christ did die for you just as much as he died for me. He died for you. Let his death be your birth. Amen. Let his death on the cross be your birth. And stay strong in the faith. Those of you who accepted God in your life and are serving him right now, do not let your lamp go out. Keep it burning. Keep it burning with faith. Keep it burning with the Holy Spirit inside of you. Keep, on bur- keep it burning with God inside of you. Amen. Keep it burning, guys. Keep it burning. Because you see what happens. Here's any stuff aside. I'm sorry. What happens when you let your lamp burn out? You suffer the consequences. When your lamp burns out, that's it. What's the difference between these two right here? You see that one's dwindling down? You see how that one, that little tiny flame? It's nothing. This has to be your lamp. This has to be your faith. This has to be your faith right now, Elevate. Let it burn in this place, man. Let it burn for God. You see, but some of you, some of your faith is like this. It's dwindling down to nothing. It's burning to nothing, and pretty soon, it's gone. It's over. You see what happens? God's going to come, and he's going to look for light. He's going to look for light. Who has the light? Who's keeping that source? Oh, Johnny. 
John, he stopped. He, he stopped burning for me. That oil ran out in his life. I don't know him. Look at this. Look at this. She kept on burning for me. Marty kept on burning for me. Nathaniel kept on burning for me. Kevin kept on burning for me. Jason kept on burning. Jasmine kept on burning for me. That's who I'm looking for. That is who I'm looking for. They didn't let their oil run out. They stayed faithful. They stayed faithful. Jennifer stayed faithful to her oil, to the source.